Hey, before the episode proper starts, I just want to record a little intro to mention that way back, if you're a long-time listener of this podcast, I did an episode early on called Box Peak that was, uh, a lot of it was talking about this little YouTube show called Box Peak. And I just wanted to mention that Box Peak has completed. It, uh, it's this really cool little show that it's only 10 episodes, and each episode is about 10 minutes, so it's uh, not a big not a big investment to watch and it's amazing because it's this guy Kyle Bossman who he made the whole show basically in his apartment with like paper craft he made these little paper craft puppets and he got his friends to do the voices and it's just great it's just excellent it's just a, a nice little uh I mean in the in the purview of this podcast I guess it's a nice example of what a person can do you know in this modern age we're in you can just sit down and you can make you can make a whole show more or less by yourself. It's fucking cool, <laughs> you know. I guess in our case, it's like you can write a book, and and if you don't want to do the traditional publishing route, there's other things you can do. You know, the, it's the internet world. You know, you can. There's really the only limit is your creativity and your willingness to buckle down and make something. And Box Peak is a perfect example of that. It's such a good show, and uh, he really pulled it off. Like at the end of episode nine, I was like, dude, how is he going to wrap this up? I don't see how this is going to happen. This is like, man, he's really built up this huge thing. And like, how can you finish this in one more one more episode? This is nuts. But he did it. He fucking nailed it. <laughs> it's just amazing. So Box Peak by Kyle Bossman. It's on the Easy Allies channel on YouTube. Uh, just go give it a watch, man. It's really good. All right. Here is the episode of How to Write a Novel. Hello, welcome to How to Write a Novel. So uh, I'm in Toronto now. I left Vancouver, and man, I got out of there just in time. Like, I used to almost kind of mythologize Vancouver because I really liked it when I first moved there. And then I didn't go back for like seven years, and it was like really epic when I returned. I actually made a podcast about that. Let's cross-promote to myself. If you go to keithcourage.com and click on the XO podcast... There's an episode called Fever In, Fever Out that was all about going back to a city after all that time. But yeah, I loved the West Coast, but the weather. I mean, if you listen to every episode of this stupid podcast, you heard me freak out about the weather last year. Like when I first started doing this podcast, when it was a daily podcast. It's a perfect example of why I don't do daily podcasts anymore, because... Uh, I certainly wouldn't have done a podcast where I was just yelling at the weather and angry because it wouldn't stop raining and because the wind blew my umbrella inside out, you know? It wasn't my finest moment. But this reminded me of like, oh yeah, I really do hate the darkness. I really do hate the lack of sun. And it's like a cartoon. Like, have you ever read that comic Bone by Jeff Smith? I think it's in the very first issue. At the end of the issue, it goes from fall to winter. And in a cartoonish fashion, you know, like three inches or four inches of snow just falls all at once and suddenly it's winter. That is what it's like in Vancouver, like no joke. It's not snow, it's rain, but it was just like super hot and super sunny and the grass was dying. It was almost uncomfortable for like six weeks that I was there. And then there was a big rainstorm and I was like, oh, that's actually kind of nice. I'll take it. I'll take some rain. And then the next day, the sun didn't come back. And then the next day, and then the next day. And for like five or six straight days, there was no sunshine. And just immediately, it just torpedoed my whole life. Like, I just felt so shitty. And it's just like, 
I'm just like running drills in my head of like, why can I not feel good? Like, what the fuck? Do I have to reevaluate my whole life? Like, what the hell? But it's just because there was no sun. I just can't deal with it. It's not cool. So I got out of there just in time. And now I'm in fucking Toronto, which... Toronto's weird because like 95% of my friends live in Toronto. So it's nice to come back because I can see all these people that I haven't seen since last year. But the city itself is just like... You know, I would go to Vancouver if I didn't know anybody. I would go to Montreal. I would go to Tokyo. Maybe I would even go back to Amsterdam. Maybe not. That one's 50-50. But I can't imagine going to Toronto just to see Toronto. You know, like, oh, let's just see the city. Like, there's nothing to see. It is just... It is business time around here. It is just like, here's your house, here's your car, here's your driveway. Drive it to work, go to work, go home. Rinse and repeat. And that's the whole fucking place. <laughs> it's just like, fuck, this place is a downer. There's little tiny, like, Kensington markets and stuff. But uh, it's like, it's sad. The It's kind of similar to New York in the sense that they have so little nature, so little in the way of, like, green space... But we're in a world now where it's not 1920, you know, people understand that it's important to have greenery and to have natural shit, but it's too late. What are you supposed to do? So in Toronto, anything that could be construed as a park, anything, the tiniest little triangle of grass that's somewhere, they'll call it a parquet and put up a sign and give it a name. And it's just like, dude, like you, methinks... Thou doth protest too much, Toronto. You're just so desperately trying to be like, no, we got shit. We got parks. We got 500 parks. We got so many parks, bro. You fucking, you want parks? You come to Toronto, dude. We got you. You ain't got shit. You ain't got shit. (laughs) It's just streets. Just streets and fucking whatever. Anyway, I don't hate Toronto. I lived here for years. It's fine. It's a nice city. But it's not an exceptional city. It's uh, utilitarian. They made a joke about it on The Simpsons. When The Simpsons came to Toronto and Marge Simpson was like, Ah, Toronto, it's so bland and unassuming. I feel like I'm home. Not, not a knock-it-out-of-the-park zinger. You know, at that point, The Simpsons was already basically on life support. But it was a not-inaccurate take on the character of Toronto. So anyway, I'm just walking around, got myself a little lost, as I want to do, so I thought I would do a little podcast, because what I wanted to talk about is this fucking horrible nightmare of a chapter that has taken me so long to write. This one chapter has been longer than any other chapter by a lot. Chapter 34, the mythical chapter 34, and uh, I don't keep specific dates or anything for, like, when stuff got finished... But I just went back through some of my recent episodes, and uh, when I was in Amsterdam, I mentioned that I had just finished chapter 31. So between Amsterdam and Japan and Vancouver, I only wrote like two and a half chapters. And, you know, I don't keep, like, I don't do word counts or page counts or any, I don't have any specific daily goals, as I'm sure you well know at this point. But I did figure out once, I did a little calculation and realize that just kind of inadvertently, just in the process of working, I get about a chapter done every two weeks is what it ended up averaging out to. 
But this time, man, you know what? I started recording because this was a quiet street. I'm like, ah, there's like no cars around. This will be great. Where the fuck? I haven't gone on a different street. Where did all these cars come from? I keep having to stop. If you heard the unedited version of this podcast, like, you know, I just stop talking and let the cars go by and they just keep coming. Where the fuck did they come from? Ugh. <laughs> God damn it. But yeah, basically, over the course of this summer, instead of a chapter every two weeks or so, it's been more like a chapter every two months, if even. It's been super slow. And I don't know exactly why. Like, I got theories, I got ideas. Like, that's one thing that's interesting about doing this podcast is kind of chronicling my own habits and getting to know myself. Because this kind of happened last summer, where I did some episodes about how it was just so hot out and it was just, like, so miserable in the summer that I literally stopped. I'm like, I know my big thing is never, ever stop, but for the next week or two, I'm going to stop. <laughs> it was like when I was leaving Vancouver last fucking summer to go to Montreal, and I was like, I'm just, it's going so slow, and I'm so hot and so miserable that I'm bailing out until I get to Montreal. So it could be that. It could just be that it's too hot. And, like, that is kind of the, like, stereotypical image of a writer I always think of anyway is just, like, a fucking guy in England in a little house and, like, a little cottage on his roll-top desk and the fucking weather sucks shit outside and he's writing his fucking Treasure Island or whatever. It just doesn't really seem compatible when it's super hot out. Writing a book, it just, I don't know. Obviously, it can be done, but it's not... It's definitely something a little unnatural about it. So there's that, and then I was thinking it could also just be the generalized pressure of getting further and further into this project, and further and further in, deeper and deeper, it's getting bigger and bigger. There's that part of me that just doesn't want to do it, that wants to just like, you know, when we get to the end of this book, then we got to figure out what to do with it, we got to figure out who to submit it to, we got to prepare to be rejected, maybe by everyone, maybe this whole thing is going to be a huge failure. We never have to find that out if we don't finish. That part of me is definitely... That could be ramping up. I could also be... Maybe I got so little done because I was in Amsterdam and Japan. My, my mind was preoccupied. All right, now I'm on a real busy street, so I can't complain. This is a major street, so we're just going to have to deal with it. It's a good excuse to keep this episode from going too long. But yeah, maybe I didn't get a lot done because, you know, I was in uh, different countries and, uh, you know, my mind just kind of wasn't on it. And then conversely, maybe because uh, I actually did like Japan quite a bit, being back in Canada a little bit against my will because of all my bank problems, maybe that's making it hard to write because I'm like a little bit discombobulated and a little bit like, oh man, like I definitely had like, there was like four or five days when I first got to Vancouver where every day I woke up thinking I was in Japan still, you know? That's never really happened to me when I travel. That's weird to consistently think I'm somewhere else. Definitely some part of me wanted to still be there. So maybe that's it. But the overall point is, who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why I've been getting so little done. It doesn't matter about psychoanalyzing myself. I can do it. Sure, why not? It might even be helpful. But it's not important to the process. It's like uh, that quote, life is not a hospital, <laughs> you know? You're not always supposed to be... Where else did I read that? Like, one of these books about writing, I remember recently I was reading... Oh, it was The War of Art, Stephen Pressfield, where he talks about that too, of like, you get a lot of people that are just like... 
and they, they put things before writing like personal development like I gotta get in touch with my fucking inner child I gotta open my heart chakras I gotta resolve all of the issues with my past and present relationships with people alive and dead and then I can write a book and I remember him saying in, in that book he's like you can't do that you can do that concurrently with writing a book, but if you put these barriers in front of writing a book, you're never going to write the book. You're never going to be fixed. It's never going to happen. You're going to be fucked up till the day you die, so you just got to learn to work with it. And that's the nice thing, is that even though potentially all of those things are true, you know, maybe I'm really off my game right now. Maybe it's way too hot and I've moved way too much, and I'm way too unstable, and I'm also nervous about how deep into this book I am. Maybe it's all hit me at once, and that's why I'm hardly getting any work done. But the important thing is, due to my patented method, <laughs> my fucking, my thing that I just keep saying over and over and over again, that all you gotta do is make sure you work every day and just do a little bit, just the tiniest bit. That's what I've been doing. I've been pushing through whatever my circumstances are, making sure that I write every day, and it's just been a little bit, and really a little bit this time, like no joking a little bit. Uh, it takes two months to write one chapter a little bit, and I was saying like that last chapter was such a disaster, I had to start it over. I just was like, this whole thing is making me insane. Just start over. But I did it, and I finally got through it, and just like two days ago, I finally fucking finished that fucking chapter, and it might be a piece of fucking shit, and when I read back through the whole book on the second go, it might just be like, what the fuck? But I got through the goddamn thing, because this is the beauty of working every day, but not forcing yourself, not pushing yourself, like... I could have been guilting myself that whole time. I could have been making myself feel miserable that whole time that I wasn't getting more work done. But I didn't, because I was getting enough done. I got something done every day, and it was just a tiny little speck, and that's fine. And now I'm getting through it, you know? I got past that horrible patch, that, like, horrible storm in the sea. I got through it. I got past that chapter. And yeah, as I was describing, it's a particularly weird chapter, a particularly pivotal chapter. Just tough, just tough all around. But I made it through. I made it through the wilderness. Somehow, I made it through! <laughs> this is the one thing I like with a lot of traffic. A lot of traffic around at night when there's no pedestrians. Because of course there's no pedestrians. This is Scarborough, Ontario. It's just fucking car culture. It's kind of like being all alone. Because I'm so separated from them, you know? They're all in their cars. I'm just walking through the night. I can just yell. and No one cares. <laughs> it's the two best times to sing to yourself. When you literally are alone, because you're just in the woods. Or now. Now is kind of even better, because in the woods you might bump into somebody. Here, there's no chance. Nobody would be on foot here. It's all cars. So that's mainly what I wanted to say, is just uh, yet another little wrinkle in the same old advice. Yet another testimonial. Oh, here's a little, it's like a bicycle path that at least goes behind some bushes. That'll cut down on the noise a little bit from the road. 
I know I've said this before, but you can just feel in a city who, you know, who they're catering to. Like in Amsterdam, it's obviously the uh, bicycles. In Toronto, it's obviously the motor vehicles. In Montreal, it's the pedestrians. It's a really good feeling. It just feels nice. It's weird because, like, Montreal's not a big city. It's much smaller than Toronto, but it's still a city. How do they do it? Like, I'd love to see the grid, the traffic flow of, like, how is everything such a fucking shit show in Toronto? And yet, somehow, everything is still functioning in Montreal, but you could walk around all day and never feel like you're crossing a a nightmare highway, you know? I don't know. Anyway. So yeah, through my patented method, I inched my way through this chapter. And now what's interesting, now that this chapter's finally done, is it really was, like, it's not coincidence that this one chapter took longer than all the others and that is the only chapter I completely scrapped and just started over. It's definitely like some kind of a gateway chapter or like a pivotal chapter. Because once it was done, this has never happened before, but I'm not quite sure what should happen next. I've been sifting through notes for the last two or three days. I'm starting to collate some ideas. I think I got some ideas of what's going to happen next. But what was interesting, going through my notes now, is I would, you know, sometimes I'll just read the notes for the specific section of the book I'm at. Sometimes I'll just read all of them. Let's just give me whatever you got, even if it's from a wildly different part of the story, because maybe there was something in there that I didn't use that would fit here. Or usually not, but sometimes it'll spark an idea. So I was doing that this time. I'm like, let's just go through it all. Let's just start from the start of these notes and just read through them all, because I haven't done that in a while, and just see what's in there. And it really felt like this time, it's like, this is the last chance for these notes. Everything that happened previous to this in the story, I'm reading through all the notes from the first section of the book and the second section of the book, and it's like, there's a few little things in there that I'm like, oh yeah, this, this, and this, take those and put them aside, maybe that'll be useful. But anything that I didn't do that with, usually I would just leave those notes, because who knows, maybe they'll be useful later, let's just... Leave them in the slush folder. But not anymore. Now it's like I'm taking you guys and putting you in the never-going-to-be-used folder. This is it. Like, it reminds me in a video game. A lot of times in video games, if it's like an open-world game where you have missions you can do all over the map, you can just run around and do different stuff in different areas. But when you get to the last mission of the game, a lot of times there's a warning. You know, they'll find a way to tell you. They're like, hey, this is the last stand. This is the end of the game. This is the final level. Once you step through this door, once you cross this barrier, there's no going back. It's ride or die till the fucking end credits. So are you sure you want to do this? Because all those side missions you didn't do, you can't do anymore. This is it. You go back and do them now or they're not getting done. And that's where I met in this book. Like, it's undeniable. It's like, now I'm reading through my notes... And it's like, this is your last chance. Do you want to use these ideas? Do you want to use this note? Do you want to use this this fucking thing? Because if you don't, you can't use it later. It's paradigm shift time. It's the end game time. Now pieces are moving into place for this fucking story to finish. We can't go back to that stuff. It's over. And I didn't necessarily know that that's what this chapter was. 
I didn't know this is how I was going to feel or this is what was going to happen. But it's so clear that I'm like, yeah, no wonder. No wonder it was such a struggle to write this chapter. No wonder it took me so long. No wonder I had to start over. Because this is... Oh, what's that fucking Lord song? (laughs) Yellow flicker beat? That's what I'm going to play at the end. This is the start of how it all ends. (laughs) That is the perfect song. It was from the third Hunger Games movie. It's a great song. It was a great movie, too. Man, the Hunger Games, I feel like, does not get its full due. That third Hunger Games movie in particular was about how to use propaganda against the government. It's crazy, the shit that's in that series, that people just kind of gloss over. But I swear to God, man, if, <laughs> if we end up in a post-apocalyptic nightmare world in the near future, the guy who fucking set it into motion and made the world go crazy is going to say that he watched the Hunger Games when he was a kid, and it taught him crazy shit. Mark my words. But hey, so yeah, that's, uh, that's what I got to say this episode, is uh, don't worry too much about trying to fix your whole life before you buckle down and start writing, because it's never going to happen, you know? Work on your, yourself, but do it concurrently with writing. Make sure you still do the writing, do the writing all the time, because uh, waiting for everything to fall into place and to be just so is my favorite line from the movie Serenity, a long wait for a train that is never gonna come. And if it does take you a real long time for some of your shit, if, you know, your shit just grinds to a halt and you're not quite sure why and you're juggling your five different theories about why that might be, maybe it's just because sometimes writing is really hard. Sometimes there's stuff in your story that really is tough and really is gonna take a long time. Like, I try to be pretty mindful that The stuff in my book is interesting and uh, germane to the fucking proceedings. But there's definitely chapters. I mean, there's one in particular. I remember I, I even wrote at the top of it. I'm like, I don't know about this. This whole chapter might go. Left a note to myself. And then there's other stuff that, like, if some editor was like, this story's got to move along. We got to get rid of some of this shit. It, you know, I wouldn't, it would, I could make that happen. You know, there's stuff that could go. But there are chapters that can't go. They absolutely cannot because they're incredibly necessary to the plot. And that's what this one was. And that's why it was so hard. (laughs) That's why it was so tough. Because this one cannot go. This one has to stay. This one has to be done right. This one has to be good. So it's like, in a way, it's like... It was like a drag that I was going so slow... And there was a little vague part in the back of my mind that's like, are you fucking up? What are you doing? Why are you going this slow? But I didn't even really focus on that. I just stuck to the process, stuck to the habit of making sure I wrote a little bit each day and just let the natural course of action take action (laughs) or whatever. Just, oh, fuck. All right, I really got to wrap this up. There's that fucking weird buzzy noise. Yeah, just things were what they were. They went how they had to go. Basically, if you trust enough in the process, if you make sure you are working every day, you kind of don't need to worry about the other stuff. You don't need to worry about having everything all sorted out in your life and everything else sorted out in your head, and you don't need to worry that you're going fast enough or going too slow. just doesn't really matter. You can kind of just not think about it 
and just keep plowing forward and you'll get there. And in this case, when I look back at it, like I'm, I'm kind of glad I took that long, you know, it would be nice if it didn't take that long. But in retrospect, it's like, yeah, that chapter was way more pivotal than I was realizing, you know, this is the beginning of the end. This is like the last chance for romance. All my old notes too late now because we're in a new area of this story. It's good that I didn't rush. It's good that I didn't push. It's good that I didn't stress myself out about it. It's good that I didn't beat myself up about it. I just let the process be the process. And I got through that fucking bitch. And now I got to figure out what to do in chapter 35. And it's not coming easy. It's not totally clear. But that's a problem for another day. Today. <laughs> and tomorrow. And the next day. And the next day. So I'm sure I'll report. Thanks for uh, allowing me to yell at you. Good time had by all. Here's Yellow Flicker Beat by Lord. This is a fucking great song. See you next time. Finger on me